This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. All right, so we're going to pick up on the message I started last week. Last, how many of you were here last week for the message? How many of you weren't here last week? That's about half of you, okay? You'll need to get the, uh, you'll need to pick up the first half of this message, and uh, the, 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 the title of the message that uh, we're, we're dealing with has to do with the five seasons of time. Now, this year being the year 5777, okay, 5777 in the Hebrew calendar has to do with the letter seven or the number seven, uh, the Zayin. Zayin is the sword. Of course, we know that this year is the year of the crowned king with the sword in his hand. And so we're celebrating that because it's significant in terms of what God wants to accomplish in this year and particularly in your lives, our church, your business, your family, and our nation. We know that when the king comes with the sword in his hand, he comes to let that sword fall. Now, there's distinctions where this is falling. And we know that one of those distinctions has to do with time. When God begins to divide time, he begins to divide the seasons of time. And how many of you know that seasons end and then new seasons begin? But the problem with that is if you don't equip yourself for the new season, you either look foolish or you are unprepared. How many of you know that when rainy season begins in Africa, you better have an umbrella, you better have a rain suit, you better prepare for it. You've got to know that there's going to be potholes. And you should prepare to fill them. Anyway, I won't go down that path. Amen? So, uh, last week, we started talking about the divisions of time. We started talking about how God divides time and how this sword falls and, and how it cuts off one season and begins anew. That, that goes in line with this year, which is the year of Jubilee on the Hebrew calendar. Jubilee is the release of all debt, the, re, the, the return of all of the lands and, and, and indenturement and everything that God wants to do. He restores everything in the year of Jubilee. So God, what he's saying is we're cutting off one year, and there's a new thing beginning. There's a new beginning. For you and I, I believe in the nation of Zimbabwe, this will be the year that something gets cut off. Many things will be cut off, and it'll be a new beginning. Not only for you individually, but I believe for a nation as well. I believe that for some of you in your business, I believe for some of you in your marriage, others of you in your family, things are going to get cut off at a new beginning. But I have to warn you that everything in Hebrew Scripture Everything in Hebrew Scripture is a promise that needs a response. Just because it's promised doesn't mean it's going to happen. The year of the two-edged sword is simply this. The Bible says in Corinthians that all of the promises of God are yes and amen. Well, what that simply means is that's your two-edged sword. God's promises is one edge of the sword, the yes but your agreement with those promises is the other edge of the sword, which is the amen. And what it simply means in the Hebrew is it's the word shin, shin, which is teeth or to devour. And it's the two edge or the two mouthed sword. And what God is describing in these pictures is that when God says something, you need to say the same thing God's saying. I can take it even further. When God does something, you need to do the same thing God's doing. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father doing. And that's what God desires for you. He says, when you align yourself and you walk by the Spirit, guess what happens? You get those spiritual results. You get the results of God instead of your own results. Does that make sense? So in this year, our desire is to 
find out what these seasons are, what's being cut off. And the other thing about the, uh, especially this two-edged sword, especially the shin, and I talked about this earlier, is that the shin has three heads on it. And, and, the, and what that signifies is this. It signifies that there's a choice. You can either choose the positive or the negative. See, the kingdom of God, it's amazing how God says certain things and we don't understand it, but God puts out his blessing. He says, but I'm not going to bless you just because I want to bless you. He says, you get to choose the blessing. He says, I put before you blessing and cursing. I put before you life and death. He says, but the choice is yours. He says, he, he says I ask you to choose life. I've asked you to choose life. You'll get to choose. One way or the other, you'll be held accountable for what you choose. And so it is this year. You can choose to have this sword fall and be blessing, or, or the sword is going to fall and it can be a curse. Does that make sense? Uh, let me explain it another way. Have you ever read the scripture where it says, if you fall on the rock and be broken, it's better to do that than to have the rock fall on you and be crushed? The rock is coming. You can fall on your sword and let God deal with your heart, or the sword's going to come and cut your heart wide open. I mean, all I'm saying is, God says, hey, the sword's coming. You get to choose what happens, all right? So the first division of time that we dealt with was the extension of time. And we talked about sometimes, you know, God intervenes and gives us an extension of time. An extension of time. Remember, we talked about Daniel. Now, we're taking these out of the book of Daniel and Ezra because in the Old Testament is where these are related. There's ten times in Daniel and twice in Ezra where this division of time takes place with Zion, the seven-seven, the seven, the two-edged sword, Zion, and things are cut off. One was in Daniel where Daniel is going to be killed. He's going to be uh, uh, with, with the rest of the Chaldeans, because nobody can interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel goes before Nebuchadnezzar, he says, I need some time, just give me a little bit more time. That, that's the word Zion. He says, I just need an extension of time. And we prayed, last, we prayed last week for you to get an extension of time. Some of you just need an extension of time. You need God's grace for an extension of time. And God's cutting off some things to give you that extension of time to get things in order, get things right, and for him to move on your behalf. The second thing we talked about was a neutralization or neutralizing time, neutralized time. And we talked about how, uh, again, in the book of Daniel, these beasts came, and, and, and the Bible describes these beasts, these terrible beasts, and it says that, that God neutralized them. They were all there. They're still present but they lost their power. They lost their dominion. And, 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 and God is doing that for you and I too. In a season of time, God is breaking the dominion of certain beasts over your life to give you not dominion over them, but to give you a space where they have no longer got dominion over you. Those beasts are still there, but they're neutralized in your life. God's neutralizing those demonic activities, those beastly things, those beastly situations from your life. So today I want to pick up the message with the third division of time. The third division of time is described by the word favor. There's a new season of favor. In Ezra, the fifth chapter, the third verse, it says, At that time, Tatanai, the governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shethar Bozani and their associates went to them and asked, Who authorized you to rebuild the temple and to finish it? They were challenging the Israelites' right to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Who gave you permission to do this? Well, anything I've ever learned is that jealous people will find every little thing to nitpick. They'll try to stop you from doing anything, especially in Zimbabwe. Boy, let me tell you something. Don't raise your head a little bit above the norm. Don't try to be a little different. Don't try to be a leader. Don't try to do something in Zimbabwe because there'll be a thousand people that'll try to take your head off and say, you can't do that. Who gave you authority to do that? I've never seen a more covetous people than our nation. 
covetous of anybody that does anything. And then if you do do something, watch out. Because every predator that makes a kill, the hyenas are on it before you know it. We have a hyena nation. No, it's true. It's true. But that's about to change. That's about to change. Amen? So what happens is, God has a king who has a righteous heart in this situation. He goes back. I'm not even sure he's righteous. But at least he's just, he has justice. We need to pray for justice in our country. But he goes back and the Bible says that he went back and he does some research and he founds a document. And here's what he said in Ezra 6 and verse 8. Moreover, I hereby decree, I give official orders, what you are to do for these elders, these leaders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. Their expenses, that is all the construction costs, are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of the trans-Euphrates. So that the work will not stop. Pay them on time and without delays. That's what it means. Pay them on time and without... Here's where time comes in. There's a time of God's favor. Verse 9 says, whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for the burnt offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without delay, without fail, on time, on time. Boy, let me tell you something. Favor is always on time. God's favor is on time. And there comes a time when favor comes upon us. There's a time when favor takes over. You know, last week's daily reading, I wanted to finish this message last week, but we didn't get that far. But last week's daily reading was all about Joseph. When I was reading Joseph, I love that story. That's the story of all-time favor. If there's ever been favor, there's favor. Here this little boy who's favored by his daddy, given a favorite jacket, hated. See, when you're favored, you'll be hated. Hated by his brothers. Despised by his brothers. To the point that foolishly he tells his dreams, he tells his visions of them all bowing down to him. And even his dad gets a little bit hacked off at him. Say, hey, son, please, can you just lay up a little bit? And then that favor turns into probably the most tragic story. This little boy is stripped of his jacket. It's rubbed in the blood of an animal. He's thrown into a pit, and they go back, and they tell their aging father that, hey, Joseph was killed by a beast. We just found his jacket. We don't know what happened. And they, they're going to kill him. They just let's just kill him and leave him in the pit. But instead, one of the brothers has a conscience. He says, no, 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 favor. This is favor, by the way. He says, no, no, don't, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. How many of you, between dying and being sold, that's favor? See, sometimes we don't look at it as favor. We look at it as, oh, I'm getting you. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. There's a big difference between dying and being sold into slavery. Which would you choose? I think it's an obvious thing. I want the favor of slavery. See, God's favoring this young boy. So not only does he get sold into slavery, but when he gets in, so they take him out of a pit, they put him in the, he gets selected to serve a guy named Potiphar who happens to be the king's top military commander. Top guy. Runs all the jails. He's kind of in charge. That's favor. That's favor. Because you know what? You could have got some really wicked master. You could have got some guy who made your life really hell. And this guy has, he has such favor on his life that guess what? He ends up controlling the whole household. But again, wherever there's favor, there's jealousy. Wherever there's favor, there's going to come an attack. And this thing gets attacked by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife comes and tries to ruin the story, tries to ruin the favor on this young man's life. And thank God he had the virtue to run away. But it didn't work because she lied and he gets thrown in prison now. You know the story. The favor, the favor, the favor. Here's what I love. Eventually, he's exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh. 
one day those boys, his brothers, come back. And he's standing there. And he's all shaved up, cleaned up, got all kinds of makeup on, a big old hat on. He, no, that's how the Egyptians used to dress. You have to understand, they, they had a way of dressing. And he's not looking like Joseph anymore. He's looking like a Pharaoh. He's looking like the second in command. He's looking like some powerful Egyptian image. And he sees these boys and he says, I know they don't recognize me. He says, and, and he, you know, and they're all bowing down to him. All of us need some favor in our lives, don't we? Well, God wants to bring favor. This is a year of God's favor. He's going to be cutting some things off. Favor is more than God just doing something for you. I want you to understand something. It isn't just magic. You know, a lot of people have this idea that if we just pray and if we just, you know, trust God and it's all going to be better. Well, that, that's part of it. That's the one side of the coin. But the other side of the coin is you've got to engage. You get involved in this thing. Can, can I tell you something? Favor was on Joseph's life. But my goodness, the hell he had to go through. The stuff he had to do, he had to engage. He had to interpret dreams. He had to get involved. He got involved in the, he, he could have sat back and just moped and got all sad. And, you know, my life's, a, my life's over. No, no, no. While he's in prison, he overhears two guys' dreams. He says, hey, I know what that means. He says, let me interpret your dream for you. But he could have just been selfish. And, but no, favor is always outward looking and saying, hey, God, I'm looking for future grace. Future grace. Future opportunities. It's always looking to the future. Hey, God, there's a hope in the future. I'm in a bad pit right now. I'm in a prison right now. But God, I have hope for the future. And if you have hope for the future, if you keep yourself looking for hope for the future, God will turn every situation around and God will favor you. But when you give up, I don't care if you pray till the cows come home. It's more than just prayer. You've got to get involved. You've got to get activated in the favor. Psalm 121.1 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Then it asks the question, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. I'm sorry. Too many of us are looking to Egypt for our help. Too many of, uh, too many of us are looking to the government for our help. You already know that's not going to help. It's true. They can't help you. Government is not helping anybody. They're just helping themselves. It's true. Right now, they can't even help themselves. We have a disaster on our hands. So why would you look there? It's time for us to begin to look to God. It's time for us to take these matters and say, we need to change some things. And change for righteousness and change for good. Mix your prayers with your actions and your faith. You know, I know this. Many times we can be overwhelmed by the situations that we find ourselves in. And like the Israelites who are trying to rebuild the temple. The walls have been broken down around Jerusalem, and there's rubble all around. I mean, that has to be discouraging. There's suspicion by the government. There's jealousy. There's hatred towards them, and the enemies who didn't want them to succeed. Stopping them from, even with the letters of permission, they said, that's not right. Who gave you permission? But you know what they did? They didn't stop. They engaged at every level, and they fought for their right to do what God told them to do. In fighting, God joined them and gave them the favor that they needed for their lives. You see, favor will follow you when you're willing to do your part. Let me give you a few requirements for favor. Nehemiah 4, and verse 14, the Bible says, After I looked things over. This is Nehemiah. He says, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and go and fight for your families. Go fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So here's three things you need to do to have favor in your life. First of all, you can't be afraid. There can be no fear in your heart because God cannot favor fear. God does not favor fear. God favors faith. 
So if you're full of fear, you've already cut favor off your life. He says, don't be afraid. Throughout the Bible, be strong, be of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 365 times in the Bible, I think 366, one for every day and one extra for leap year, I guess. Do not fear. Do not fear. Number two, remember how great and mighty the Lord is. Sometimes you just need to stop and say, wait, wait, I'm going to remember. I'm going to call to remember. I'm going to meditate on how great my God is. And then number three, now you've got to be ready to fight. Go fight for your brothers. Go fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes, your city, your nation. Are you ready to fight for your business? Are you, are you ready to go out and fight? Or have you just rolled over? Thank you for those three claps. I tell you what, I don't know what we'd do without them. Go ahead, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen? So you're sitting here today, or you're listening by radio, and you're in need of favor. How many of you say, I'm in need of favor from God? I need favor on my life. You're in a situation where there's undue pressure. There's antagonism. There's harassment in your life or in some area of your life. Someone or something is trying to prevent you from getting something done. Maybe it's a permit. Maybe it's a contract. Maybe it's a situation that's being denied. Maybe it's something that's been delayed or there's a distraction that is undue. It's an undue distraction. Maybe there's a person or a family member or family members that are pressing you. They're intimidating you. You say, Pastor, that's me. You're talking to me today. Raise your hand. Say, that's me. But if your hand is up, stand up. Let's pray. Let's pray about that right now. Let's stand up and let's, 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 let's put ourselves in agreement right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release the sword of the king to cut off antagonism, to cut off resistance from around the members of this congregation. For every person standing, we come against this. Father, we turn our faith towards favor. We turn our faith towards a grace that has a future a future grace, Father, a future faith. Father, we know that you give us a hope and a future. And Father, we bind the powers of darkness. We bind the powers of the enemy. We come against those that have risen up to try to stop us. And Father, we ask that you, the King of Heaven, would look into your files, that you would look into the book, and that you would bring to us a deliverance. You would give us a word, that you would help us, Father. That, Father, you would turn these situations around in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That, Father, you would cause our hearts to come alive again. That, Father, we'd be willing to fight our enemies. That we'd fight for our brothers. We'd fight for our sisters. We'd fight for our children, our wives, our homes, our city, our nation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. I make declaration. Favor attends your way. Favor attends your way. There's favor over us. I walk in favor. Declare, I walk in favor. I do not walk in fear. I, de I denounce fear. I bind fear. Perfect love drives out fear. And favor follows me. Do you believe that? Turn to five people. Give them a high five. Say, I got it. I got favor today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn around. Oh, go, go ahead and sit down. Take your seats. I got to get to my next point. You're taking up all my time now. <laughs> Amen. The fourth division of time. The fourth division of time has to do with restoration. You know, we read in the book of Daniel, the fourth chapter, the 36th verse. And I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. And it says, at that time... Or at that same time, there it is, Zion. At that same time, I was given back my mind. I was reestablished as king in my kingdom, and I became greater than ever before. Boy, I, I, when I read that, I thought, oh, my gosh. You know what the story is? Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of the greatest kingdom ever built up until his time, Daniel described it as the head of gold. Unbelievable. He says, there'll be nothing greater than your kingdom. This is in terms of wealth, in terms of, of, 
of stature. He says, this, you're, you, what you've built is amazing. And Nebuchadnezzar gets puffed up with pride. And there comes a time when God overhears him saying, I am great. I am amazing. Look at what I have done. And he, forget, he forgot that it was God that made him great. And the Bible says that because of his pride, because of his arrogance, because of his stupidity, because he thought he could do whatever he wanted to do because he was king and he didn't acknowledge the king, that he lost his mind. The Bible said for a period of seven years he went and he lived in a field and he ate grass like a donkey and he rolled around and was covered in grass and dung and his hair grew long and his fingernails grew out. He had claws and he, he looked and acted like an animal, like a man who had lost his mind. And then we see this verse of scripture. At the same time that I was given back my mind, I was reestablished as king in my kingdom. It became greater than ever before. Here, here, here's, here's what I want you to know. I don't know what your situation is. I, I don't know where people are at today. But I know this. That the common question that most people are asking today about their situation is, why? Why me? If God's such a loving God, why would he do this? And why, why, why? Can I ask you, there's a better question in life. Did you know that? Stop asking why. But rather ask, what do you want me to learn from this? Because you see, Nebuchadnezzar could have asked why his whole life and remained a donkey. But when he finally came to his senses, he asked the question, God, what is it that you want me to learn? What is it that I'm supposed to be learning from my humility? from my humiliation. See, Nebuchadnezzar, through pride, lost his mind. But I want you to understand something. The whole story of the Bible is that God is merciful. He drops his sword of judgment and made a division in time. And when he did, he gave him back his right mind and he gave him back his kingdom. I read a prophecy by a man named Chuck Pierce, a man that I, re I, I respect very highly. And he said this. He says, this is your season to recover all of your faculties and thoughts. When you will recover what the enemy has stolen, you will know how you were tricked and you will become shrewd in your thinking. And I read that. I said, that's for me. You know, I've been tricked enough times. I've, I've had things stolen from me by trickery of the enemy. And I've and through lack of clarity in my faculties, in my thoughts, the enemy has taken advantage of me. You know, and as a pastor, I deal with many who through their sins and their failures, their disobedience, feel like there's no hope for their lives. I want to let you know that God is the God of the second chance. God is the God of the third chance. God is the God of the fourth chance. As long as you're alive, God is a God who is a God of restoration, and he wants to restore you. Jonah's the perfect example of this. He's a man of he's a man who failed. This man failed. And eventually, not only has he failed God, but he's failed his nation. He's 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 failed himself. He's in a deep depression. And when he gets depressed, all he can do is sleep. So he gets on a boat going the opposite direction of where he's supposed to be going. And a storm starts taking place to where the waves are busting this boat up and the guys on the ship are starting to throw the cargo overboard and they go down into the hold of the ship and there's this guy sound asleep and they say, wait, 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 there's something wrong here. This ship is going down and this guy's asleep and they wake him up and they said, what have you done? Why have you done this? And, and Jonah confesses. He says, yeah, he says, you know, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how to stop the storm. I'll tell you how to save yourselves. He says, just throw me overboard. Well, they didn't need to be told twice. They just threw him overboard. And, the, and it says that the sea grew calm. And a big fish 
Well, I don't know if you're at the prayer conference. Two fish. I don't know how that happened. One fish ate him and the big fish ate the other fish. I don't know how. Anyway, whatever happened, okay? See, you you don't know what you miss, what heresies you miss if you don't come to prayer conference. But all I want to say is this, that God got a hold of this guy. Jonah had to become honest. God got Jonah to a place where in the belly of a fish, he all of a sudden got real honest with God. He had to, you know, sometimes you get down into the belly of that fish and, you know, just think about it. Your skin is getting eaten off you. How many of you know the gastric juices inside of a fish digest the food? They don't digest it. It's, it's, I can only imagine what Jonah looked like three days after he got out of that thing. He's probably bleached out. The stomach juices have started eating his skin. His hair is probably bleached. He's probably got seaweed hanging on him. He probably smells like, God only knows what he smells like. And this fish vomits him up on the side of the beach. And he walks into Nineveh. No wonder they're repenting. (laughs) They said, we'll do anything. Just get out of town, man. This is, please, please, please. But you see, God is dealing with Jonah in the belly of a whale. And Jonah's having a come to Jesus moment. He's having a moment where he's having to get honest, honest with himself. And he's in distress, the Bible says. But God's not done with him yet. God's not finished with him yet. Now, no matter how unconfident or unsure or unworthy you feel today, or you've come to feel, I want you to know something. God desires to be with you. God desires to shower you with his love and his forgiveness and his blessings and his mercy. And most of all, he desires to restore us and restore our confidence, the confidence in our hearts towards him. There are many who are suffering from being under or involved in spiritual warfare. Some of you have been involved in spiritual warfare. You didn't even know it was spiritual warfare. You just thought that, oh, my life is just... No. You see, you have to understand something. The enemy always attacks your potential. The enemy always attacks your potential. Because if you ever maximize or if you ever realize your potential, you become a greater threat to his kingdom. So when he sees someone that has potential, when he sees somebody that has an anointing, when he sees somebody that has a gift, he says, I've got to silence that before it matures. I've got to silence it before they exercise it. I've got to silence it before they take it and develop it and it becomes something that can do havoc to my kingdom, that can take people out of my grasp. Many of you are suffering from mind-blinding spirits. There's even some of you in this room, and you feel that band around your head. You, you try to read the Bible. You try to pray. You, you, even listening now, it's like there's a band around your head. And, and, you, and, and every time something spiritual happens, it's like this band comes around your head. Or sometimes it's like somebody puts blinders on. You can't see. You, you want to see, and you can't see. Or you used to see, and now you can't see. Or you used to be able to think clearly, and you can't think clearly. Some of you... It manifests in restlessness, anxiousness, anxiety. You just, there's just no peace. You just, you can't find a place in God. Others of you, you can't get your thoughts straight. Your thoughts are everywhere. Others of you are over grieving the loss of a loved one. Over grieving the loss of your business. Over grieving the loss of your money. You're, you're just agonizing. You're caught up in a grief. Some of you are bitter at the loss of your position, your power, your fortune, or your family. All I know is that the creativity of your mind has been hindered. You're afraid of dreaming again. You're afraid to imagine. You're afraid to hope. The flow of creativity has stopped or at least is hindered. Some of you have lost your whole bearings. You don't even know where you're going anymore. 
Some of you have just lost your mind, and you know it. You've just lost your mind. You've lost your faculties. John Pierce said, this is your season to recover all of your faculties and all of your thoughts. Then you'll recover what the enemy has stolen from you. You will know how you were tricked, and you will know how to become shrewd in your thinking. If this is you today, you say, Pastor, man, you're talking about me. That's, that's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly how I feel. I'm telling you, this is the year 5777, and the sword is falling. We saw it then, but we're seeing it again. The sword is falling, and God wants to restore you like he did Nebuchadnezzar to your right mind, to your right faculties. If you say, Pastor, that's me, raise your hand. Stand up, wherever you're at, stand up. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I bind the power of the confusion of the enemy. I come against mind-blinding spirits over this congregation and over every member here. In Jesus' name, I cut off confusion in the name of Jesus. I cut off the frustration, the anxiety, the pain, the anxiousness. I come against fear and every anxious thought. I declare that you are free to think with the mind of Christ today. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of strength, and of a sound mind. Come on! I don't know about you, I'm really tired of the enemy percolating thoughts in my mind. Constantly denigrating me. Constantly make me feel inferior. Make me feel like an animal. Make me feel like somebody who's not worthy of the name Christ. I'm tired of seeing Christians bow down and bent over and heads down and not able to look up and say, God is with me. God wants to restore you to your right mind. God is restoring you to your right mind. Say this, I have the mind of Christ. No, no, say it like you mean it. I have the mind of Christ. I put aside anxiousness, worry, fear. What the enemy has used against me, the sword has fallen. I'm being restored. In every faculty of my mind, my will, and my emotions. Come on, give somebody a high five and say, that's me, that's me. All right, quickly, last point. Take your seats. This is our last point. What I'll tell you what, this is an exciting one for me. Because the fifth division of time has to do with kings and priests. It has to do with kings and priests. And you know, when I saw this, I, it, it leapt in my spirit for Zimbabwe. It leapt for my spirit for you, for every one of you, because I know that this is what God's doing. And some of you have not understood where God's taking you. Some of you are still in the pit. <laughs> Others of you are still in the prison. Others of you are somewhere in between. But you're destined for the palace. You're destined for the palace. Daniel 7, 22, the New King James Version says, Until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time, the Zayin, came for the saints to possess the kingdom. <laughs> I'll tell you what. There is a time when a judgment comes. The sword of judgment is falling in the nation of Zimbabwe. I'm telling you that right now. And when the judgment comes, it is then time for the saints to come and possess the kingdom. The kingdom. Let me tell you something. 
This is the season we're in in the nation of Zimbabwe right now. It's time. It's time. It's time. Now's the time. I know, last year, we know, last year was the year that the king was in the field. But we're not in last year anymore. We're in the year 5777, 2017, where the king is releasing his sword. There's a sword that's being released in the nation of Zimbabwe today. There's a sword that's been released in our nation. And I want you to understand something. For those that will come under kingdom dominion, the sword will be a sword of blessing. For those who will not, watch out. I believe you're going to see some things cut off. It is time for us to step up beside our king. And we need to take authority. It's time, and it's the time of kings and priests. We need to see the Daniels, the Josephs, the Esthers, the Nehemiahs, the Deborahs, and yes, even the King Cyruses. God will move upon men that will not even pronounce the name of God from their lips, that do not even know God, but God will use them for his ends in this season of dominion. It's time for us to rise up and to seek kingdom purposes and to do kingdom business. It's time to take up our sword and take dominion in the marketplace. Now let me explain something to you. If you haven't been preparing yourself, it's very hard for God to work with you. You see, the first five years of this decade has been God saying, study, get ready, prepare yourself. Know what you're supposed to be doing. The second five years is implementation. But if you haven't done the first, how are you going to do the second? See, we have a fallacy in our minds about how business works. I'm going to be a businessman. Oh, great, I'm, I'm happy. What business are you going to get into? You know, and we think that business is just, well, you just decide to be one, a businessman or a businesswoman one day. No. If it was that easy, everybody would be one. I'm going to be a concert musician. Wonderful, wonderful. But if it was that easy, everybody would be one. I'm going to be a rock star. Well, I guess anybody could be a rock star. Because you don't have to have music to be a rock star. It's almost true. Real music. You don't have to be a skilled musician. You don't have to be able to play an instrument. You have to have personality. Anyway, that's another subject for another day. You see, if you're going to be a success in anything in life, there are steps and seasons of preparation. There's hard work. There's hard labor. And you can't avoid the pain of growing your business, the pain of working with people, the pain of learning, the pain of being stolen from, robbed from. Because it's in that process that God begins to train your hands for war. It's in that process that God begins to train you for greater things. He says, if you're faithful in little, I'll make you faithful over more. I'll make you faithful over much. But when you can't handle the little, how does he give you more? He can't. When you bail out on the little or when you think it's magic. Oh, I'm going to be a businessman. And you may be a good con man. And you may have conned somebody into giving you money for your business. But I've seen those con men. And they wear the $2,000 suit and the $500 glasses. And they drive the fancy car for about six months. And then all of a sudden, that money that was supposed to build their business is all gone. And it's all gone again. And they're back to living in Kamusha. I want to promise you something. Money is never the answer to a business. Now, it helps to not be undercapitalized, but I'll tell you what, you grow a business from being undercapitalized to being capitalized, you'll know something about business. And nobody can ever take that from you. So it is about becoming a priest. So it is about changing our nation. You know, many of you got involved in the Constitution and writing of the Constitution. You, you were activated and involved. And Why did you stop? You should be 
owning the constitutional committees now. You should be implementing the Constitution. You should have stuck in there and stayed in there, kept fighting and kept, kept directing it. Eventually, as those people petered out, you would have risen up and said, now we're in the name of the kingdom of God, in the position to not only control the Constitution, but direct it for the good of the nation. Instead, we have a bunch of do-nothings that are sitting around playing with the Constitution that don't really want to implement it because it doesn't suit their agenda. But you want change for the nation. Well, God says this is the season of change. It's time for you to rise up and be the kings and be the priests and begin to speak and to prophesy and to get involved. Get your hands dirty and make something happen. And if you'll do that 10 years from now, You'll be in the seat of rulership. You'll be in the seat of power. Every one of you should be taking over your ward. For elections, every ward should have a Christian leading the ward. Every one of you should be a ward. A, 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 a ward. You should go out to your rural areas and take control. Say, I'm going to represent our wards out here. We're not going to let intimidation take place. Come on, why not? Some of you should be running for member of parliament. Some of you should be counselors in the city. Oh, I, I, it just takes too much work. Well, then stop complaining. Don't complain. When you begin to stand up, Begin to grow. Begin to exercise those muscles. All of a sudden, you become strong. You become a force to be reckoned with. Joseph didn't manage Egypt to start with. He managed Potiphar's house first. Then he managed the prison. God said, You've seen my favor work with you for the Potiphar's house and the prison. Now you'll see my favor work for you for the nation. David didn't kill Goliath first. He first killed a lion and then a bear. Then Goliath. It's progressive. Your walk with God is progressive. If you haven't passed first grade, you're not going to ever get to high school. One of my sons said to me the other day, he says, eighth grade was the best three years of my life. I think of a young man in our church, Dr. Reed, introduced me to this young man, oh, years and years and years ago. And I mean, HIV kid, he's just, you know, no hope. I mean, it's just impossible. Impossible. I mean, what, what can somebody with HIV, what can somebody who's just a little kid that has no home, homeless, I mean, just a mess. Today, He's traveling all over the world. He runs Compassion. He runs solo. He runs a, a Champions. He's he's in Durban. I, I never see him in church. I don't even know if he's, I, I don't think he ever comes back here. One day he's in Durban. The next day he's in in Johannesburg. The next day he's up in Uganda. The next time he's in Kenya. The next time he's in in, in Namibia. He's all over, and he and he's setting up all of our programs all over the world. But I want you to know something. He didn't start there. I remember the first time he stood right here and did his first little thing. It was pitiful. It was pathetic. Good-hearted. Don't get me wrong. Good-hearted. But it was immature. It was small. It was, he was immature. Today he stands before presidents of nations. Today he stands before doctors and nurses. And he tells people how they can help children with HIV get through the pain by having a psychosocial, spiritual response to their problem. Today, he has become an authoritative voice on the subject. And doctors kneel down and sit down at his feet and listen to this young boy. But it didn't happen overnight. It, as he engaged, as he, as he went in and, and he suffered and, he, and it cost him. So it is with everybody. I want everybody to stand. This is for all of us. This is for every one of us. Put your hand on your heart. 
Heavenly Father, I release the sword of the King over this congregation. Father, I'm asking that every man, every woman, and every child under the sound of my voice would be willing to pick up their sword alongside you, O God, and take dominion in the realms that God has given them to have authority over. Father, I'm asking that each one would take their marketplace assignment. In your marketplace assignment, in your place at work, in your place in the home, in your place in your family, your place in your church, your place in your city, and your place in your nation. It's time for us to push back. It's time for us to experience our King, Yeshua. Yeshua. He has equipped you with a sword, the sword of His Word. And He is equipped with the sword and with the power of His Holy Spirit. It's time for us to experience our King. It's time for authority, dominion, and power in the name of Jesus. Say this after me. Say, Father, above all else, I want to see your dominion in my life, in my church, in my family, in my marriage, in my home, my business, in our society, in our nation, and even at the highest levels of our nation. We make our appeal to you, Heavenly Father. We make our appeal to the King the crowned king who has his sword in his hand. Let that sword fall today. This season of time. Raise up your kings. Raise up your priests. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.